And now I'd like to call up the teens to do our opening prayer. Hello. Okay, I invite you to close your eyes. Just take a few deep breaths and just know with me that there is one God, one infinite divine creation flowing in and through and as me and each and every one of you here today. And this creation, this spirit, is love. It's harmony, peace, happiness. And it flows through each of us. As this energy flows through each and every one of us, it connects us all together to shine our lights so we can be beautiful expressions of God. As our lights grow, they touch each other's and grow bigger and bigger until they completely surround the earth, making this one huge glowing ball of love, support, and harmony. I know that I am love, I am support, and harmony. All the support that I need surrounds me every day of my life. For these great knowings, we are everly thankful. Thankful that they are our life. Thankful for the love, for the support, and the harmony that runs through us. And I take all these knowings, these beautiful divine knowings, and I release them into the universe, knowing that they are already done in the mind of the one, and together we say, and so it is. And now I would like to invite to the stage Reverend Patrick Cameron. Thank you, thank you, guys. It's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. And it's warmer in here today, have you noticed? We got the furnaces working. It's always helpful. Yeah, of course, it warms up. We wouldn't need furnaces on a day like today, would we? Nah. Well, we've been using uh, as inspiration for the last month the work of uh, Joyce Hawks. And Joyce is a cellular biologist who wrote Cellular Healing at the Cellular Level. And it's very interesting because she had this mystical experience. She had a near-death experience. And then all of a sudden, her life was taken in a different direction. And if you Google, Google her on YouTube, uh, Hawks is spelled H-A-W-K-E-S. She, there's a uh, dramatization there of her experience. But uh, she spent several hours unconscious and had uh, a mystical experience, came back, and, and her whole life changed, and she moved into an area of spirituality. One of the things she talks about in the, towards the end of the book is that in the indigenous cultures, one of the rituals that they have as far as moving into a, a different awareness, the, ultra, the, the expansion of consciousness or the shedding of what uh, the perceptions have been to step into a new thing is, is that many times the ritual in the shamanic traditions is one of facing death. And it's a metaphor, and a lot of times in the traditions, of course, if they set somebody out and they, and they were in an environment that was a bit precarious, they may not have come back. But that was part of the culture. And she describes a bit of that. She didn't have to go through a lot of that with her teacher, but she went to Bali on several occasions and worked with one of the, sh- 
one of the shaman there, and then she incorporated it in, into her work. But she talks about the plasticity of the brain. And the plasticity of the brain is an interesting and new idea, but we've, we, this tradition has talked about it and understood it for a long time. And the idea that as we do repetitive thinking, we, we actually wear grooves into the patterns of our brain, and then all of a sudden we sort of fall into those subconscious patterns. And that outpictures in our lives. And so our opportunity then is to be able to put down those perceptions, those ideas, and those patterns and, and welcome in a new experience. And so I want to just roll that into a bit of what we're doing and why we're doing this and why we're here. We have our teens with us today. And, you know, it's part of the, the culture that we are. It's part of the tradition that we are, that we're, we're really here about teaching uh, consciousness and spirituality. And one of the uh, writings that uh, I looked at this week in, pre- in preparation or was guided to, actually, was... Uh, by Pima Children, When Things Fall Apart. It's a wonderful book that I, I've had for years, and I, I go back to it frequently. Pima is a practicing Buddhist, and actually I think she's in the Maritimes. She has a retreat center in the Maritimes. Um, and then Chopra, Deepak Chopra, comes from the Hindu tradition, but they're, they're first cousins because they come out of that same body of, of wisdom. And this is what Pima has to say, because I think, why do we come together? Why do we do this work? Because there's nothing more precious to me than this work we're doing. And what, what we, our opportunity is, is to be able to take the, the shifts in perception and the new insights that we can gather and, and share with one another and take them out into our day-to-day lives. We don't have to give up our day-to-day lives to do what we do. And, and, and so I think it's important. We're really here about inspiring ourselves and one another. But Pima has this to say, and I think it's a reflection of the consciousness that's going on on the planet right now. She said that when the rivers and air are polluted, when families and nations are at war, when homeless wanderers fill the highways, these are traditionally signs of a dark age. Another is that people become poisoned by self-doubt and become cowards. And, and I, when I read that, I realized that when we look at the experience of fear on the planet, when we look at the, the money markets that are in flux and there's nations and, and systems that... Um, don't look like they're sustainable or whatever's going to happen. There's a, there's a contagion of a vibration that we could call fear. And there's less severe uh, expressions of that. There's discontent and there's discord and there's annoyance. and There's many ways. She said that there's so much resentment and so much resistance to life in all nations. It's like a plague that's gotten out of control and is poisoning the atmosphere of the world. And that's an energy, and that's alive. And what we, what, we, what we do is we challenge that status quo. Why we're here is to challenge that status quo. Because it's very easy to collapse into that. I love all the teens that got their arms around one another down there. What they've done, and what I'm going to talk about, is the experience they've had. And it's through your support and your consciousness and your awareness. See, it just takes one. It just takes one consciousness to shift, and we all benefit. We all benefit. And you are the one. I was reminded of the great story of the, the, the monastery, and I can't remember where I was. Oh, Mary Morrissey tells it in Prosperity Plus of the monastery where they were lost their way, and they knew there was a holy man that would, would pray in the, in the forest. And so one day the head monk from the monastery, because they were just in disarray, and they were arguing, and they were being small and petty with one another, and on and on and on. And he said, so the, the monk, the head monk of that particular order in that monastery went out into the forest to find this holy man, and he happened to be of the Jewish tradition. And he said, would you come and speak to our, 
our, um, our membership, our community, because we seem to have lost our way. And he said, yes, this is true. My community's lost its way too. You know, we don't know what, what to do and where we're going. In fact, I'm the only one left. The, the, the rabbi said, I'm the only one left of our community, but I'll be happy to come and speak to your community. And so he went in and he, he just had a discussion and people were, you know, they were their grumpy regular selves. And then as he was leaving, he turned around and the last thing he said to the monks as they sat around the table, he said, just remember, one of you is the Messiah. And he left and planted that seed. And so over a period of time, they started to look at one another and think, maybe it's so-and-so. And maybe it's so-and-so. And maybe it's so-and-so. Maybe it's so-and-so. And so they couldn't figure out who it was, but they all started treating one another differently because they realized one of them was the Messiah. And it's such a great story, such a great metaphor, because we are that. We are that un- unbounded uh, possibility of, of the shift and change in consciousness. Carlos Castaneda said it, his reflection on the, the nature of people. He said there's three, there's three groups. There's the nice, the nasty, and the indifferent. The nice, the nasty, and the indifferent. Deepak says that there are six levels of awareness. And, we, and, and I experience these on a daily basis. I think all of them on a daily basis. One is fight or flight. One is reactive. One is restful awareness. One is intuitive. The fifth one is creative response. And the sixth is visionary. And what the Messiah represented was visionary. You know, when Jesus came along and he taught, he taught on what the message was. I think he taught at many levels, but the message that was needed most at that point in time was unconditional love. And that connection, that became his message. That's how he, that was his, that was him planting those seeds of possibility. Pima Chodron talks about fear, because fear and what we see when she talks about those conditions is reflective of that. She said once there was a young warrior, and her her teacher told her that she had to do battle with fear. And she didn't want to do that. It seemed too aggressive. It was scary. It seemed unfriendly. But the teacher said she had to do it and gave her instructions for the battle. So the day arrived, the student warrior stood on one side, and fear stood on the other. The warrior was feeling very small, and fear was looking big and wrathful. They both had their weapons. The young warrior roused herself and went toward fear, prostrated three times and said, may I have permission to go into battle with you? Fear said, thank you for showing me so much respect that you asked permission. And then the young warrior said, how can I defeat you? Fear replied, my weapons are that I talk fast, I get very close to your face, and then you get completely unnerved and you do whatever I say. If you don't do what I tell you, I have no power. You can listen to me, and you can have respect for me. You can even be convinced by me, but if you don't do what I say, I have no power. In that way, the student warrior learned how to defeat fear. And so we all have the experiences of fear. We all, I, and and so what I realize is that when I continue to give my power away to fear, I have a different experience in life. I'm in one of these lower states of awareness. I'm in fight or flight, or I'm in the reactive mind which is where the egoic nature is so strong. Last week I mentioned that I would speak about four of the, the, uh, the practices that Deepak talks about that, that allow us to, to move forward and stay grounded in, in the truth of our being. Because until we slow down, he calls it the witness state. Deepak calls about stepping from the reactive mind to the witness state. There's a gap in the knowingness and the response. 
And I'll share with you the practice. He talks about creating that gap. Now, he's, he's from the Hindu tradition. The Buddhist tradition, they have a word called sem, and they have rikpa, R-I-K-P-A. Sem is the chattering mind. It's the, same, it's the same idea as the reactive mind. So each culture, you know, we would call it the busy mind, the little lawyers, the monkey mind. But all, every culture has it because it's common to all of us. It's not unique to any one particular culture. So sem is that chattering mind. And rikpa is that state of just present moment bliss and awareness. It's that witness state. It's that, that moment of clear perception. And so T- Deepak talks about it, remaining centered. Number one, he said there's four practices that, that allow us to step into that, to move into that from, from fight and flight all the way up the, the, the levels of consciousness into visionary. What visionary does and what we're all called to do See, I think what's happening with the discord is it's a way for us to get inspired to lift ourselves up in consciousness. And so visionary, an example of it is uh, Gandhi. When Gandhi was a young man, he was a lawyer, he was in South Africa. You must be the change you wish to see in the world was one of his mantras, one of his visions for his life. But he got on a, a train in South Africa and because the melon in his skin was too dark for the powers that be, they threw him off the train. And what it inspired in him was the vision I'm going to change this. And ultimately what happened as a result of that experience was, was the beginning of the demise of the British Empire in India. But it's, it was inspired by that. Rosa Parks is another example of that visionary, of being in that conversation to, to have the clarity. Rosa Parks was the lady that refused to move on the bus, and she challenged it. She's challenged, she, and, and envision was sparked. Now, I believe I've read a bit of it in it that, that there was a bit of, of that orchestrated. With, she had some support. She had some friends around her. She talked about it and said, I'm going to do this. But that started a ripple of change in the world. See, what, if we believe thought is creative, and I do, I believe that I'm responsible for every experience in my life. And when I say that, I don't take blame. I have enough loving kindness for myself and for other people to realize this isn't about blaming. This is about just simply recognition and saying, I have done enough work in, in my life to manifest this experience. And so what I get to do is be a, a mindful of it and aware of it. And if that looks complete and whole and I'm satisfied with that, great. But typically my experience has been, I can do this a little differently now. I can move differently in a different way. And I think I can improve upon this. And I don't look at that as a burden. I look at that as my opportunity. I look at this community. Why are we here? Why do we keep this conversation alive? Because we challenge the status quo. And, we, and, and, we, and, and it's not ours to tear it, that what's down that's not working, but it's ours to step up in clarity, centered and calm, as Deepak says in this first step, and say, this doesn't represent me. I think something new is possible here. Something new is possible here. I believe that my vision, when I stepped up to put my name forward for leadership on the new uh, um, board that we're coming together as the two organizations, and part of this is because I want to be part of the solution and I want to be part of the... I, I understand now. I was on the board years ago and I got off. But I realized I want to be part of the conversation. I want to ask and expect the best of myself and everyone that's in our movement to help continue to facilitate the changes that want to happen on this planet. Let us use our practice... Because our practice is exactly what Deepak says. When we, we do affirmative prayer, and you see practitioners come up here, they are trained in. You just saw the youth get up and do an affirmative prayer. That's, that's sacred practice. There's one life. That life is God's life. And that life is my life. 
And wherever, whatever there's important for me to know in this moment, I open myself to that. That's living in that intuition, being in that conversation. That's tapping into the cosmic mind. That's that first level of creativity, which then takes us to visionary. And to live from that and expect that of ourselves, to realize, yeah, you know what? Life can be tough at times. There's things that happen in our lives that are disappointing. We've all made plans and been disappointed. Anybody here ever made a plan and, and it did not work out? See, all the t- you've made plans and, and, and they've always, always worked out? No, they're shaking their heads. They get it now. I know what you mean. So it's remaining centered. Be clear. So number two is to be clear. In this book, uh, Deepak's book, Reinventing the Body, Resurrecting the Soul, which is a wonderful book, he talks about Jacob. And his friend Jacob, they've known Jacob for years, And Jacob has suffered from depression his whole life. Waves of depression, waves of depression. He says, Jacob, you've got to get on top of this, man. You've got to start incorporating a practice in your life that allows you to manage this and eventually master it. And so Jacob doesn't know. He's spinning in depression and spinning in depression. And finally, Deepak says to him, you need to identify this, this, this essence, this experience, this energetic vibration that you seem to, to fall into. Give it a, a physical form. So it shows up as an old man. In Jacob's mind's eye, depression becomes an old man. And he says, let's see how you feel about your depression. Imagine that it has taken the shape of a person who walks in the door, sits down, and is on a chair facing you. And so he, he has Jacob do a conversation with his depression. See, but he, he doesn't say push it away. He says pull it close. See, this is awareness. This is moving into the witness. This is moving into the gap. And he says, he said, I told Jacob, let everything out until you can't say anymore. So he gets into this long rant with depression. He says, you will never get past your depression unless you let this old man inside of you go. To the extent that you push this old man away and revile him, he will remain the same. That which we resist persists. And so he's talking about having a practice because what we need to understand for all of us is that who we are, what we are, is that divine essence. And we have experiences that, that sometimes deflect that and we forget. We forget and we go off the rails. We, we, we just, we forget. That's why we come together and have community. That's why we read books. That's why we do meditation. The third practice, Deepak says, is expect the best. Expect the best. I love that. Expect the best. He said, you don't have to let go so that something good might happen. But that's very easy to fall into that in, in our way of thinking in the West. You don't have to let go of something so something good might happen. The purpose, the highest purpose of letting go is so that the very best in yourself, your soul, can merge with you. So that the very best, so your soul can merge with you. I believe, uh, since I was a little boy, I've had, had that experience. I always thought it was because I was raised Catholic. I always thought it was my guardian angel. But what Troward talked about, Thomas, Dr. Thomas Troward, he said, our soul hovers. Our soul hovers. And now when I do prayer work with people, I can just feel I have that experience. When, we do, when the teens were up doing the prayer, the service, I had that experience. What I know is it's just that my soul occupied, I'm fully, I'm fully in concert with my soul. Last week I had to stop for a bit. I was up here talking. All of a sudden I was just fully in concert with my soul. There was nothing to be said. And it was just this most amazing experience. But I believe that when, when we have those experiences, it, it creates the doorway and the pathway. It models for others that same experience. And Deepak talks about how wonderful and powerful it is to then do our permanent prayer work from that space of peaceful, clear rest. rest. Poet David White talks about that. Deep rest. Deep, deep rest. 
And then we move into intuition. Intuition. What wants to happen here? Holmes said, I don't know, but something within me does know. So what Holmes was talking about was uh, doing enough spiritual practice, creating enough space in our experience, becoming the witness. This is all stuff Ernest Holmes was talking about back in the early 20s, 1920s. When we were in New York, we went to and saw the mountaintop with Martin Luther King. And in the play, it's, it's two characters. Samuel L. Jackson played Martin Luther King, and it's quite controversial because he's smoking. He chain smokes through the whole play, and, he's, and he pretty much uses all the blue language you've all heard. Now, I like it because it showed him as a person, you know? I mean, and, and we're all just people. And so here was Martin Luther, and this, and this angel, he doesn't know it's an angel, shows up as a housemaid at the motel. And it's, he's, he's at the room that he's killed the next day. And she says to him, you're done. Tomorrow's your last day. And he's fighting with her and he's trying to negotiate. And he says, no, I don't want to leave. My work's not done. On and on. He says, oh, no, you've planted the seeds. So he says to her, can I see results of the seeds? I want to see the results of the things that have been initiated. And so she pushes, places her hands on his face. And this montage of events unfolds. And all the seeds that were planted by the result of him influencing and taking a stand as a visionary and saying, you know, slavery doesn't work. And oppression doesn't work. Abraham Lincoln, I have such a strong affinity for Abraham Lincoln. When he became president, when he was elected, his platform was, I'm going to preserve the union. So he had some people that wanted to, slavery and some that didn't want slavery. There was a going on. And then they said, well, certain states can have slavery. And Lincoln finally realized through the, the people around him and through his own awareness that this is, a, he said, when someone is a slave, we're all slaves. When someone's freedom is impinged, we're all, we're all living in limitation. Dr. Ernest Holmes said, this is a teaching about freedom and doing our spiritual work and doing our spiritual practice to move forward. So expect the best, that expectation, that our soul can merge with us. He, he uses the metaphor, Deepak uses the metaphor that our soul is like that closed room that we can lock ourselves away, it's the egoic self. And then every once in a while we know there's something wonderful out there that we want to experience, so we come outside and we, we're in the expanse of light. It's the same example of what Pima Chodron's talking about, Sem, we're locked into that chatter of the mind, that egoic self, and all of a sudden our soul, we, we engage our soul and we step out into the Rikpa, which is that illumination. All the great avatars have, have talked about that experience. It's wonderful. This is the, what we stand for. Yeah, the world, there's, there's problems. We may never end the, world, the wars in the world, but we can be here hugging one another. And there's those little shifts of consciousness. When we catch ourselves spinning out in the reactive mind, when we, when we catch ourselves, even though we've reacted, even though we've lost it, the awareness is say, man, I lost it again. I don't like that. We're shifting consciousness. Don't discount that awareness because a lot of people have that experience and they just keep running with it. But when we call our, a new awareness to this, we, we're, we're too hard on ourselves with this. We're too hard on ourselves. We need to understand and celebrate because that is like another drop of water in that beautiful bucket of consciousness. Expecting the best. Stepping out from that closed room. And the more we step out in the expanse and trust that and learn, and that becomes our way of being, the world's transformed. We're laying down the consciousness for that new generation, for these teens, those cosmic kids that come up and influencing so that they don't have to reinvent the wheel. I'm so grateful for Ernest Holmes and all the great teachers that, that brought the insight and brought the, uh, the awareness to this. 
so that I can use it in my life, so that I can be inspired. Have you gone down and seen our cosmic kid room lately? Take a tour down there one time. Sam Simpson and her husband Kevin went down there with their own money, bought furniture, and painted it. It's beautiful. It's this lovely, welcome environment. Thank you, Sam. To be able to, you know, to be one another's advocates at that level of consciousness. What wants to happen here? I'm, I, you know, when, when Lincoln, I look at my opportunity. We are the largest New Thought Center in Canada. Now, I would like to, and, and thank you, and I appreciate that. But what I, I think, what I, I think, what I, my my vision for what is is, I'd like us to be the largest and the deepest. And I think that I've asked people, I've been very unreasonable in my ask with people. I've asked all of our practitioners this last year to take a Prosperity Plus class. Everyone a board member, take a Prosperity Plus class. Just be part of the consciousness. Be part of the conversation. And so many of you have done it. And I'll tell you why. Because, and I know it's unpopular. And some people have said, I'm not doing it. And I get it. It's okay. But I have to ask because it's my job. And I can't keep everybody happy. But I don't want to be at the end of my run and say, you know, we didn't do a whole lot, but everybody was really pleased. It was a pleasant experience. (laughs) I mean, really, guys, I look at our organization, it's coming together. We are at the forefront of changing consciousness on this planet. And, And if we can resource it, if we can get our message out in the world in a bigger way, and you are the messenger and I'm the messenger, I'm willing to ask for that. I'm willing to that people don't like me because I'm asking for something that I'm passionate about. And this is what happened with Lincoln. He finally said, we can't do this anymore. We've got to change the way we're operating because it's a, it's a lesser law. Martin Luther King said, when there are, when there are law, there's laws of man and there's higher laws. And when those two are incongruent, we've got a problem. And that's what he spoke to. And people didn't like him. The people in his, in his, his close uh, group of, of leaders and friends, they started moving away from him at the end before he died. He, and he was losing the popular support, so a lot of his donors were moving away from him because he decided that we were not going to do this violently. We're going to shift and change consciousness. And this is, our, your consciousness is precious. It's the only thing we're taking with us. And man, it's exciting. I mean, the gifts of this community that has stretched and changed me and forced me to look at it and say, this isn't a popularity contest. This is about doing something powerful and wonderful together and empowering one another. And it's just so worth it. It's just so worth it. I hope you can join us for our potluck and, and spend time. We're going to introduce our, our theme and where we want to go. But there's so, much, there's so much more. We've done so many beautiful, powerful things. And my conversation today about that is going to be gratitude and appreciation for all we've done and all we've been able to do together. So I'm not going to pitch on anything. But we have, we have an opportunity to do some amazing, powerful things. And that's what we stand for, to, to challenge the status quo. We have a young man in our teen group here that I'm just... I've watched this, this guy from the, the, a bit of the conversation that's gone back and forth. That this, he's actually had surgery postponed a number of times. Skylar, would you come on up here? Come on up, buddy. He's had surgery postponed a number of times. And I think were, part of the reason it was postponed was so he could be here with his buddies and pals. Because when you get together in unconditional love, it, there's a vibrancy to it. Our teens, how you doing? Thanks for coming up here. I just want to, I want to do, are you okay if we do a prayer with you today? Okay. But uh, I just want to say one more thing, so hang in there. But our teens, our teen group has had a, a, a few of the teen members over the past year and a half have taken their own lives. 
And I, and I tell you, there's nothing that saddens me more. And I, and I think that we want to make the conversation real. And they're sitting here, and I addressed it this morning, and I, and I love you all, and I adore you all. And I told them this is unacceptable. And when you start to go off the rails, because even as adults, we go off the rails. We forget who we are. And we feel like life gets too painful. And we feel like there's nobody on the planet. Pima Shodron writes about it in her book. She met, met with a guy, and he said, there's nobody worse than me. She said, are you sure? I'm positive. We can all feel that way at times, but that is just a feeling. It is not who you are. And, and to, to have the support and the empowerment and the love and the encouragement to know that your consciousness is precious and whatever you've brought into your experience is temporary and it can always shift and change. We're not static. We're not stuck. So here's this guy who's had his... How many times have they scheduled your surgery? How many times have they scheduled your surgery? About five times. Schedule it. He gets all ready to go. He gets to the hospital. They don't have a bed for him. So, you know, the, 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 there's a wear and tear. There's that stress of, you know, you're there, and all of a sudden, and of course, having surgery is, is not a, a fun thing either. So tomorrow you're having your surgery, right? All right. So let's do a prayer. What would you like to know about your surgery? What kind of experience do you want to have with that? I want to heal as fast as I can. Heal as fast as he can. Absolutely. Is everybody in agreement with that? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Because this is the Messiah, this guy here. And our knowing for him, the highest and the best, is our, our finest gift. That this young, eternal being has everything he needs to succeed. And so I know that God's delay is not God's denial. And so those five surgeries have prepared his consciousness in a way that probably couldn't have happened another way. And have opened him up to support and love. So let's just know right here and right now, as I speak these words for Skylar, that there is one life. That life is God's life. That life is Spirit's life. And we all know collectively and individually we support the highest and best experience for this young man and his physical form tomorrow. We know that everyone involved with this surgery, from the, every person from the moment he walks in the door, is in beautiful, unspoken, and spoken concert of knowing and awareness that, that his procedure goes flawlessly, beautifully, and wonderfully, that his body responds in a powerful, wonderful, and beautiful way. And so we support him in every good way, knowing he and everyone involved has everything they need. We bless his mother and her consciousness as she moves forward with him. And we know that as a result of our knowing and our support and our nurturing him in his, the highest and best, that his healing is, is as beautifully done and as quickly done and as joyfully done as possible. So we give thanks for this. I'm so grateful to have this young man in my life and to be reminded of the beauty of life and the opportunity that we extend collectively and individually in the highest and best for one another. And so I release these words, knowing all the best and the highest and the most wonderful is already complete in the mind of the one. And with that said, I give thanks. And affirming and knowing this with me, I invite you to say with me, and so it is. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. So... This is what we offer the world, and we offer one another. And these beautiful teens that are going to carry the torch forward of consciousness. I just think that this opportunity we have to be, we're alive today together because it's not an accident. And how do we, how do we move forward? How do we take our teaching out in the world? How do we love? Because this is the vibration of unconditional love. 
When we see things going on in the world, we, we read the newspaper, it's our opportunity to collapse into it or say they have everything they need and, I, and this does not represent me. And that is spiritual practice in the moment. And if we forget and we have a bad day, we get back on the track. And we realize, wow, look at that. I, I got depressed and angry and upset for 24 hours instead of 24 days this time. Progress. Progress. We've got to live in the loving kindness with one another. We're making a difference. We're, we're the people that are changing the world. We always have been. Never doubt that. So I thank you for your love and your support. I hope you join us for our potluck. We, we've got wonderful things that have happened and are going to continue to happen. So bless you and thank you. I love you all. And so it is.